I want to start today by telling you about uh, one of the most rewarding things that I've done in ministry to this point. It was at the church that we served just before we moved here to Christ United, which was First United Methodist Church of Sherman, Texas, just up, the, up 75. Uh, the night my wife Whitney and I were introduced to the Pastor Parish Relations Committee, which was several months before we moved to Sherman, several key leaders of the congregation asked us about the possibility of offering modern worship. Now, we've offered modern worship here for, oh gosh, going on 20 years, but as of 2013, Sherman did not. First, Sherman has a beautiful sanctuary, a beautiful chapel, both of which are perfect for wonderfully traditional worship, but church leaders understood that we were not reaching uh, people who needed our Methodist theology, but who did not connect through traditional worship. And so uh, shortly after we got there, we, we put together a task force that met over the course of more than a year, uh, researching and praying and discussing and debating and discerning and then ultimately planning. We came to believe that the Holy Spirit was leading us to start a modern worshiping community off campus, and we actually found a, a vacant building just a couple of blocks from the church that seemed perfect. It had been a half medical supply store and half oil change shop. <laughs> now, admittedly, it seemed like an unlikely place for a church. The, the medical supply half smelled like cat litter for reasons I didn't fully understand. Uh, the garage was a garage with oil change pans and the whole nine, but I got really excited about the possibilities that it presented. Uh, it had floor-to-ceiling windows that looked out over the steeple of the church, which was, again, just a couple blocks away. Uh, we were there, and I took pictures, and I texted them to my wife, Whitney, and she responded, I think you've lost your mind. <laughs> But we entered into a, a wonderful partnership with uh, the owner who thoroughly renovated it for our use. We raised some money for the furnishings. And on altar, that's, a, that's not a great picture I know, but it kind of gives you a sense of the worship space. On Aldersgate Day, which is May 24th of 2014, we launched what we called Mosaic. Uh, from that point on, Every Sunday morning, I would preach in the chapel at 8.30. I would walk across the street to Mosaic to preach at 9.45, and then walk back to the sanctuary to preach at 11, and Whitney and I absolutely loved it. She and I had the chance to worship together every Sunday. Uh, the stage was small, and so I sat next to her, which doesn't get to happen very often, and Mosaic became a, a thriving community with some long-term members who just preferred modern worship, as well as lots of folks who never would have darkened the doors of our very traditional main campus. It grew into an eclectic community of disciples from diverse theological backgrounds, in some cases no theological background, from just about every stage and walk of life. Our informal theme song at Mosaic was a song called Come As You Are. Now, uh, my Gen X friends probably hear that title and immediately think of this band. <laughs> Gen X, that, thank you. I know some of y'all do. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, that's obviously not the song that I mean. That's a great song. It's an anthem for my generation. Uh, but I'm actually talking about the modern worship song by this guy. This guy, yes, David Crowder. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful moving worship song. It begins with these words. 
come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come, brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come as you are became the the informal theme song of Mosaic because it's a beautiful summary of Christ's invitation to the world. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done or not done, no matter where your spiritual journey has taken you to this point, you are welcome here in the household and, of course, the kingdom of God. And if you've heard that song, you know how powerful the chorus is. So lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face, a wanderer, come home. You're not too far, so lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with that simple but life-changing Affirmation, And as the body of Christ in the world, every congregation of Christ's church is called to extend that same invitation. We know this. The invitation is for everyone because we believe that it is in the fellowship of the community of faith that we find our spiritual home. Uh, so this is the fourth and final week of our sermon series, Why Church? We've been exploring throughout the month of September the question of just why it is we believe that everyone needs And I would actually go further and argue that everyone deserves a family of faith to call home. Back in week one, we talked about the power of prayer. When we pray together as a community of faith, that prayer has the power to comfort us and form us and challenge us and change us. Then in week two, we talked about how we grow in our faith together, which often happens in Sunday school, Bible studies, and small groups. In week three, we talked about how we serve others which has the power to transform ourselves, our community, uh, and our world. And all of those sermons are on the website if you missed any of them and would like to get caught up. Now, I also mentioned uh, in the announcements that this is the the final of our uh, eight-week back-to-school season. Throughout August and September, we've been highlighting a different ministry of our congregation each week. What we're wrapping it up with today is an emphasis on the connection, on the community, on the fellowship that we find here, hence the big fair after the 11 o'clock service. And we're reading today from Luke's gospel. Uh, What you need to know before I read is that this is a passage uh, in which Jesus is having dinner at the house of a leader of the Pharisees. So I'm going to read about half the passage first, and we'll come back and read the rest later. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Luke. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host and the host who invited you, both of you, may come and say to you, give this person your place and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, 
invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So our passage today includes uh, two different parables, the first of which we just read, the other we'll get to in a minute. Both are set at the table, and they both deal with who's invited and uh, who shows up to dinner, which is fitting because sometimes we're the host and sometimes we're the guest. On the one hand, as the church, we are the hosts welcoming people to the household of God, but of course, we're also the guests, each of us invited to the table that's set by God. And Jesus, as a master teacher, embodies this teaching uh, by telling these two parables at a dinner hosted by one of his theological opponents. Now, in Luke's gospel, it's not uncommon for Jesus to dine with Pharisees. In fact, throughout all of the gospels, Jesus shares meals and in general interacts with all kinds of folks uh, that his contemporaries and even his disciples find shocking. It's easy for us to lose sight of this fact as 21st century Christians. It's easy for us to uh, overlook just how radical Jesus is in this respect because we're so used to hearing these stories. We already know this about him. But in his day and time, his willingness to engage with certain groups of people would have been viewed by many as quite scandalous. Uh, Sinners and tax collectors and even the religious leaders with whom he had profound and what we know now would be ultimately deadly disagreements. He was bold about being in fellowship both with those on the margins of society and those with whom he had significant conflict and theological differences. Uh, Now, obviously, there are lots and lots and lots of things as Christians that we love about Jesus, but it seems to me uh, that this is one of the most profoundly important, one of the most admirable, certainly one of the most challenging examples that he set, Jesus' persistent and consistent proclamation that nobody, absolutely nobody, is beyond the invitation and welcome of God. Jesus was exceedingly clear, the table is big enough for us all. Now, the first part of our passage lays the the foundation for this guiding principle of the gospel. One way to read these verses is uh, simply as good advice about social etiquette, (laughs) that as guests, we should uh, not expect to be seated at the place of honor, and that as hosts, we should not only invite those who can do something for us, as though life is one extended exercise in quid pro quo. That's, that's good practical advice about social etiquette for sure. But Jesus couched this advice in the form of a parable, which means that this is a story about kingdom behavior because parables for Jesus always express theology about, about what it means to live faithfully, what it looks like to live faithfully. And in this case, Uh, Jesus is talking about theology that's actually prominent in all of Luke's gospel. This coming Advent, which begins on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, we're going to be focusing on some familiar stories from the first chapter of Luke, stories that contain this theme of reversal. And that's a theme that's summarized by Jesus in 
verse 11. We just read it. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then what Jesus does is offer us a list of those who were not exalted in his day, those upon whom others, most of society, looked down. He listed them as the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. And here's the thing. Obviously, uh, none of us would have any problem with the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind being at the table. We were raised better than that. Uh, we, we know that that's uh, everyone's welcome, but we have to keep in mind that in Jesus' day, in the first century, there were many pre- prevailing theologies and ideologies that would have assumed and, in fact, would have taught that people in those categories had done something to deserve their lot, that they were in some way unworthy. In other words, this parable that Jesus told in the home of a leader of the Pharisees would have shocked everyone sitting at the table. The notion uh, that they should humble themselves by, by being around, let alone eating with, the motley crew that Jesus names in this parable would have challenged their thinking and would have stretched their understanding of God which, of course, was exactly the point. Jesus deliberately challenged and stretched those who heard him, especially the religious leaders, the ones who were not used to being challenged and stretched, the ones who figured they had it all figured out. And I think think one of the questions for us modern Christians is how Jesus would challenge our thinking when it comes to the expansive invitation of the gospel, because when we read the gospels, we know that Jesus is going to stretch us and challenge us in some way. All right, let's finish the text. This is Luke 14, verses 15 to 24. Listen again, friends, for God's word. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have been, I've just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Amen. In one sense, as as hosts on behalf of Jesus, as the body of Christ in the world, we need to be clear that everyone is welcome here. Our congregation is very clear about that. It's our responsibility to make clear to the world that the invitation of God is open to all. In the, in the words of the song that our children and youth and choir sang 
uh, at the beginning of the service today, we're called to draw the circle wide. That's, that's part of the point that Jesus is making at the table of a leader of the Pharisees. <laughs> but he's also making another equally important point. That as individual members of the body of Christ, each of us is called to respond to Christ's personal invitation to the kingdom. In the words of that great Crowder song, lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face, a wanderer, come home. You're not too far. You're invited. Each of us is invited. And that invitation, Jesus says, seems to be saying in this parable, uh, de- deserves a response, probably a little stronger than that, demands a response. The master expects a response. More than a century and a half before Crowder wrote his song, there was an American theologian who put it in a slightly different way. His name was Archibald Alexander, which I find a delightful name for whatever reason. He was the first professor of uh, Princeton Theological Seminary, and he was a leading light for our Presbyterian friends in the first half of the 19th century here in America. He put it beautifully, I think, a little bit differently than Crowder. He said, do not for a moment suppose that you must make yourself better or prepare your heart for a worthy reception of Christ. But come at once. (laughs) Come as you are. Because Christ loves you and welcomes you as you are for who you are. Christ has set the table for both the humble and the exalted, both the insider and the outsider, both those on the margins and those at the very center of power, those who were raised in the church and those who are still trying to figure out how it is that they fit in. The host says to every single one of us, as we just read, come, for everything is ready now. Those of us who have accepted the invitation (laughs) know that it is here that we find a community of of grace and growth and transformation. Our task is to invite as many people as we can to join us. The reason we named that modern worshiping community in Sherman Mosaic is because I I think it's a wonderful metaphor for the church. This is a a mosaic of Jesus, obviously, by an artist named Yuri Malkoff. And if you're an artist, you know much about Art, you know that a mosaic is a collection of different, sometimes irregular pieces, pieces that that otherwise might not go together, but that when gathered and arranged by a master artist, become something beautiful, something powerful, something transformed. My church, I know you know this because you're all here. It's because here we find the fellowship that sustains us on our spiritual journeys. Here we find the community that offers us a life of meaning and purpose. Here we find that promise of life eternal. Jesus is exceedingly clear. We can come as we are. Thanks be to God. Amen.